Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Lee Rudner. We recorded this a couple days ago in Baltimore at the house of future guests of the show, Christina Gaddy and Pete Ross. By the way, Christina and Pete, thanks again for hosting me for the weekend and letting me record Lee in your house. There will be video for this episode, so make sure to like and follow Get Up in the Cool on Facebook and subscribe to my personal channel on YouTube. Stick around after the music to find out how you can support Get Up in the Cool and get exclusive bonus content like bonus tracks and downloads. But first, here's my interview and jam with Lee Rudner. Enjoy! Thank you. 
<laughs> Lee Redner, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so far, uh, I've had about like 100 episodes and we're only at like, at like I think you'll make it like 5% of them include cello. <laughs> I would like like 50% of them to include cello, but Thank it's, you. it's hard to find. <laughs> um, so I guess I would, I would imagine that your cello story starts before your all-time story. Did you start Actually, playing classical? It's complicated. Okay. Yes. Classical with a small C. I started studying that when I was probably three and a half years old, but I was playing piano. Uh-huh. And so my parents were taking me to lessons every week, and my mom was practicing with us and my brother, and like the whole nine yards. And slowly over time, we started playing string instruments. I think I probably started on violin around seven. And then, of course, I was lucky that my school that I was in, um, in Michigan, had an orchestra program that started in fifth grade. But they realized, you know, fifth graders were about 10, and I started playing violin when I was seven. And I said, you know, if you sit with a violin in the orchestra, you're going to be really bored because all the other fifth graders are just learning. Yeah. Why don't you take up a different string instrument? And I said, oh, okay, I'll play the cello. Uh-huh. And then all sorts of stuff happened. So I started, you know, like probably playing the cello when I was 10, and then probably when I was 11, I started getting lessons. And then meanwhile, this isn't really relevant to the story, but my violin teacher switched me to viola. And then right around that same time, I think I'll have to ask my dad, but I think it was in fifth or sixth grade, my parents started sending me to fiddle camps. And at mm. the time, I didn't really understand. This is the like late 90s, early 2000s. And like as a classically trained cello sitting in orchestra, it was still really stigmatized to talk about playing other styles. And like in <laughs> high school, I was afraid my friends would like, they were, I had my you know, fiddle friends and they're separate from my orchestra friends and I narrated the two yeah. shall meet. Um, but long story short, I think I started probably learning old time tunes on fiddle Around the same time, I started playing the cello, but I didn't start combining them until much later. Yeah. If, Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you started, which fiddle camps did you go to? The Because I lived in Michigan, and we were close with the border to Celine. It was actually Bob Phillips Family Fiddle Camp, and I think I was there the last few years it was open to outsiders. Mm. After that, it was only for Celine residents. But then, somehow my family discovered Ashokan, and of course, I think my first fiddle teacher was probably Brad Leftwich. Yeah. And that side of thing. And then... We were all over the place. After that, probably like a random, even a Mark O'Connor camp, like when they were in Tennessee and like way back. I'm trying to think of all the things. He was just crazy. One year I met this violinist named Caroline Golding and I was in high school at the time and she took me with her. My whole family went to Cape Breton, Nova Scotia for a week. So it was just, you know, we were kind of making our way around the scene. <sighs> and then in undergrad, I kind of disappeared. But then around 08, 09, my mom like pulled me out of a funk and made me go with her to Midwest Banjo Camp, which is also held in Michigan. But... Erin Marshall was teaching there, and yeah. she sort of reminded me about cross tuning. She's like, because I had sort of forgotten about old time music for a while because I was an undergrad, I was classically trained, I was yeah. in a conservatory, you know, I was doing the classical cello thing. And all of a sudden, it finally clicked together. Like, these things don't have to be separate. Like, yeah. I can play old time music, I can play cello, and there's a whole culture of humans out there who get together and actually play old time music for fun. Because I didn't know about the old fillers conventions, I didn't know about the whole scene, because it just kind of. Yeah. You I go know. to camps, but. You don't know where those people yeah. go after camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So finally, at the beginning of grad school, it all kind of clicked together. And so when I moved to Greensboro, I was able to like find slowly over a period of almost four years, I found a jam there that was really fun. And, yeah. Um, so we back up a little bit. You just said sort of your parents just started sending you to field camps. Did they have interest in the in the music? I think my dad has always liked folk music. In fact. My mom also plays guitar. I mean, she plays a lot of things. She played piano, which is how I ended up starting piano. But I think. My 
my dad was he was physically present at Woodstock. I mean, he likes rock music yeah, yeah. and blues music, but he also listens to folk music. So I didn't realize understand about my dad until late. You know, you, you get perspective as, as you get older, and I realized that dad and mom definitely both listen to folk music. And yeah. He goes to those concerts, so I think, you know, I didn't understand in fifth or sixth grade, like, why am I at this camp? What's what's this music? What am I doing? You know? yeah. <laughs> but as I got older, I started reasoning. Oh, I Seems see like what's you were going very on amenable here. <laughs> as a child. Yeah. Also, you're... I enjoyed it. I'm. I'm actually now becoming a trained Suzuki cello teacher, oh, cool. but when I was a kid, I had a trained Suzuki like violin viola teacher, but then my cello teacher actually was not doing Suzuki. And so unfortunately, what we, what I learned is that if you want your kids to sight read, they have to learn to read music at the same age they're learning to read books. But of course, I was learning to read books when I was three. So I sort of fell off of the sight reading bandwagon yeah. really early. Yeah. And so after that, I was so much more comfortable learning by ear that of course, yeah. I was very attracted to any music scene where people are teaching each other tunes by ear and it's just it's fun I like that exchange of like person if this person took the time to like teach me a tune that they already know you know they're sitting around teaching me this tune and that was just really special yeah um so your, does your mom play banjo then she does now she picked it up she picked it up awesome <laughs> so cool and do, do either of your parents play classical at all because um, you said your mom played piano mom definitely studied piano most of her like growing up yeah and then she must have somehow switched to guitar and mandolin I actually don't know her story that well, but she definitely we'll plays a lot of instruments. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I know my this parents are both going to hear this. Yeah, good. <laughs> They're like, no, this is wrong, and this is wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> so when you said it was stigmatized to play, like, fiddle music, and you, you said that, like, the other kids, like, you were afraid of, like, telling them about mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah. Peer pressure. You know, in middle school and high school, how things get. And plus, that was back in the day. We had this joke. Even when I went to undergrad, which is, like, from 05 to 09, and I had a friend there who was a pianist. He was like noticing about the string players. He's like, "Oh yeah, fiddle's that thing where like you say to each other, got fiddle, bring it to the parking lot at midnight.' You know, because <laughs> it's better now. I think nowadays people are realizing what the economy yeah. is like, how important it is to improvise, to compose, to write songs, to like oh, teach yeah. in different places. And people are starting to be really excited about, oh, you play jazz. Oh, you play old time. Oh, that's really cool that you have another style. But I feel like right. when I was growing up. It wasn't really like that. I mean, there were always some people who are like, oh, we do both and it's really cool. But for the most part, in the general, like, orchestra popular, I don't want to, like, make my friends, because like, I'm sure orchestra people are listening to this too. But I feel like there was a total vibe in the late yeah, 90s, yeah. early 2000s, where, like, if you're a classical player, you don't talk about that fiddle music. And I think part of it came from the previous generation of teachers who was yeah. like, oh, it's simpler, or those guys cross tune because they don't know how to play the fiddle and they can't use their fourth finger. There were all these old erroneous beliefs yeah and i yeah. still meet that you still meet classical players who are like oh our music is the most complicated music in the world and yeah. everyone else's is worse <laughs> because it's not as quote-unquote complicated yeah. but i think like the the way we play unisons and the way we cross and the way we play old time music a lot of it is very complicated but people who don't know it don't recognize that i mean so i'm i'm very against this idea of more complicated is better inherently and also right. i think things have changed like the the community of musicians in the u.s has probably changed i feel like orchestral players in general are like cool with it now but yeah yeah i felt like in, in the before <laughs> probably you know i was just you know maybe just be i also wasn't that social as a kid either so i wasn't asking and finding out if it was cool or okay i was just kind of like oh, i'll keep this to myself i remember this is really sad but i'll say this because i know my dad is listening um i remember times in high school when we would come home from fiddle camp and my dad was like oh play that tune you learned last week and i said no yeah. I'm not going to play it. And I think that was partly peer pressure motivated. Even though I was at home and no one was going to notice, I was yeah. somehow scared that Man. my middle school, high school friend would find out. It's weird. Yeah. It's like you've gone native or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, very careful with the word native, but yeah. 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 Just in general. Yeah. Like anything that's not classical was somehow I was afraid to yeah. show it. 
Well, it's, I mean, it's funny, like, I, I use that, like, flippantly, but, like, there's, I think there's definitely a connection between, like, people, like, uh, subscribing to, like, colonial or, like, imperialist, imperialist, you know, like, beliefs, like, with, cla- like, classical music, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, it's like, well, uh, this music isn't simple. Mm-hmm. It's simple if you put it on a page, but most of it's not on a page. And even know? putting it onto the page is really hard. And even, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't really capture the groove or the rhythm or what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Uh, what, what are we playing next? Let's see. We have Sailor. 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 Okay, let me, let me get into like standard G real quick. I'm going to not do potatoes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. 
So, as a cellist, playing old-time music, how do you learn your tunes? How and where? Partly because of my history that we talked about. Yeah. Some of them are still... In, and in fact, it's tricky. Like, if you were switching between banjo and, banjo and mandolin or something like that, it's challenging for me to figure out, okay, which tunes have I actually played on the cello before versus which ones am I just remembering because I played them on fiddle. My division of labor is that I play cross-tuning tunes on the fiddle, yeah. usually, and then... Anything that would have been in standard tuning, I'll play it on the cello. And then I try to, like, anything that I was playing cross-tune, I try to just move it to the cello as I can. But I feel like there's just something so special about this yeah. like, specific overtone rub that you get from the cross-tune, like the, the calico tunes, the D-dead tunes, even G-dead and some of those other, like, really special tunings that I just, like, okay, I want to hear this the way yeah. it's feeling first. And then later I can make it noty on the cello. Because I feel like the cello, compared with fiddle, is more of the role of a banjo. Like, when you learn, sure, it's a lot sure. like how it feels when you're learning a tune from a fiddle. I think as a banjo player, you just make decisions about what you're going to do. <laughs> sure, yeah, you're um, But then there are some tunes that really are banjo tunes, right? I mean, am I wrong about that? Like, just yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not as, like, so social. They're cool. not as, like, jam jamming. You know, it's kind of like more yeah. solo music. But. So often, it depends. If I have access to people, like if I can just sit in a jam and play tunes, the one thing is I'm also that person who absorbs tunes with no names in a jam and then the next day you know a joke but in cape breton there's a guy i think it was jp cormier who said you know you have active knowledge tunes and passive knowledge i'm not sure if it's jp there was somebody yeah. else up there who said that but an you know, active tune is a tune that i can start hopefully i also know the name of it yeah i can start it and i can play all yeah. the parts passive knowledge is like if someone else starts it i can play it in a jam but like Johnny Court the Witter, I realized a couple yeah. days ago I had been playing it in G-Dad jams in Greensboro, but I have never actually known the tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for me to learn a tune, yeah, sometimes I'll just sit in a jam and absorb them. Sometimes if I'm really lucky, yeah, a person has time that they can sit down and just play me the A part, play me the B part. And sometimes if I'm really isolated by myself, I can just go on the internet and like get a recording and listen to that. I haven't indulged in amazing slowdown or any of those technologies that can slow down a tune, but I will eventually. I kind of like listening deep into a tune even if it's like a wax cylinder recording that's in b major when it wasn't yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to be yeah. you know i kind of enjoy that but it does hurt it, after a while it slows my brain down a little bit because i'm moving from something that was played at the wrong rpms right 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 i get a little confused but no i really enjoy it and it's something yeah i've always been kind of an ear learner or an ear dependent learner yeah so for me it's, it's, it's fun to learn tunes that way but yeah there are a bunch of different ways that i approach but as far as yeah, also like with the banjo, I'll change up which octave I'm playing the A part and B part if I feel like, okay, when I'm at home by myself, I can play that up, but if I'm out making a recording, I'm probably going to play it down the octave, right, right, you know, right. so I make decisions like that. And I have to make decisions about the bowing, also because if you know about cello and fiddle, the bowing is essentially opposite, like, right. you're tilting the other way and the, the feel is different, so it's funny. It's you're also, like pushing. Yeah. yeah. If I've been playing a tune, Viney Lusker, one of those Lusk tunes, and it like has a lot of bowing stuff, and then I go to the fiddle and it's like, ooh. Ooh, I've been playing this on cello too much. <laughs> so you get that kind of um, back and forth I have. But yeah, my approach is just, yeah, because I've always been, it's hard because I've always been learning tunes by ear. It's not so much different, but we definitely make choices as a cello player. Like, yeah. how, I'm, how am I going to handle that part of this tune or that tune? Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea of uh, pass passive knowledge. I feel like that's the main thing that I've been getting on this show is passive knowledge as I'm like playing, you know, like hundreds of tunes, like, you know, uh, that's great. It's but it's like, I, I remember, um, 
some tunes, like I can like start some tunes and I do not know the names of them. And then I know so many titles. So if people say like, uh, hey, do you know, you know, um, yeah, John Card the Widow or whatever, you know, I'll be like, I mean, I do know that tune, obviously, but like, uh, I'll be like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, you start it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I totally know that one. And then like, I hope that like the version that they play is like at all similar to like, <laughs> the way that I passively know it. Yeah. 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 But it's always kind of a bluff. Yeah. Definitely. I'm even worse in Irish music. I'm that person who knows tunes and doesn't know the name of any of them. But yeah, it's like, I think the same thing was, I was my parents were dropping me off at the Irish session. So I was absorbing tunes, yeah. but then I didn't take responsibility for like actually learning, you know, actually like, oh, I can start this tune. But yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's play this Elk River. Let me, let me check my tune here real quick. I think I banged it out too. This is one that I totally can't start. <laughs> Thank you. 
surprisingly difficult tune. <laughs> yeah, and I have the fear of judgment. Like I am really scared to try any chords on it because I know whatever I do is going to be. Oh, because people are like precious about that. Oh. One. That's like a yeah, yeah. Fear of judgment. I mean, um, my friend Eva taught me to do. It's like southern rock like version of it. It's like very like power ballad. But it's like really indulgent and fun. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That kind of is hard to chord. It's like is it? There's so many options. <laughs> or do, 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 do. I don't know. I'm trying to collect myself and remember what I was going to ask you next. It's hard. Playing and talking are very different right? skills. Yeah, different parts <laughs> of my brain. Yeah, totally. Next time we'll have our list of yeah. questions. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, so I was going to ask you about so your first fiddle camp was Aaron Marshall. No, no. Wait, that was like when I came back to the scene after when a hiatus. You came back. But yeah, okay. probably first one was definitely Bob Phillips family fiddle camp. And it was in Saline, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> and it was probably only three days. Back then it was very short. Um, and it was for really little kids, like fifth or sixth grade. Um, Did you like... Do you like jam with your folks? We do now. We finally have a family back. Because what happened, we had yeah. to pressure my dad into learning an instrument because he yeah, was yeah, the yeah. last one. Because my brother plays bass. Oh, I mean, he didn't oh, always. Okay. My brother was yeah. kind of on the same track. He did piano, he did violin, viola. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the largest instruments in the orchestra somehow mm -hmm. invaded the house. Um, and, he, you know, my, so my brother plays bass and guitar and a lot of stuff. And so finally, my dad was the only one who was left out. And dad had probably had, like, some guitar lessons when he was 16. Yeah. But he didn't really, like, play guitar. So now he's... And we're so proud of him. He's, like, learning to fingerstyle. We oh, play awesome. a token farewell together and all this stuff. So I finally have got my... I can jam with my parents, which is totally awesome. That's great. Um, are they all still in Michigan? Yep. Yep. Mom and dad are. My brother is, like, a brilliant jazz bass player and, like, went on cruise ships playing jazz for a while. And now he's, like, in Victoria, B.C. and he's becoming Canadian. And it's oh, all cool. very exciting. Becoming Canadian. Well, he was <laughs> smart. You know, they're going to laugh because they're hearing this, too. But, no, see, my brother met a brilliant jazz pianist on the boat. So he was out playing jazz on cruise ships, you know, and the Cook Islands yeah. and everywhere. <laughs> and here's this great jazz pianist. So they, they got married and she happens to be from the Pacific Northwest. She's actually from Victoria, BC and is running the Victoria Jazz Festival now. And it's like, my brother is smart. You know, he really knows how to enjoy life. And so we snagged a fantastic jazz pianist for our family band. And she happens to be Canadian. So they're all doing all that stuff now. And so it's all very exciting. Right and we're very happy for them. And they just got, I don't think they've had their first year anniversary. I think they got married in January of this year. So, you know. There's still a lot of exciting stuff. They're planning the, you know, the party and things yeah. like that. So, all, all good. Congratulations to them. That's great. <laughs> Wait, so she's a jazz piano player or he? Yeah, she is. Okay, she is, and he's the bassist. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Very right, cool. I was a little bit surprised when uh, you suggested this this murder ballad about murdering a woman for absolutely no reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I mean, do you like do you like yeah. this song? You know, it's part of the genre of old time music, like the murder ballads, right. and I feel like the apocalyptic songs somehow songs about the apocalypse have more colorful language. You know, yeah. if you have uh, "When Sorrows Encompass Me Round" or is it Gabe? I always get confused. It's Gabriel or Daniel's trumpet? It's one of those guys with the trumpet. Um, more trumpet guys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like those. I, I really. I mean, I like old time songs in general, but yeah. this one just happens to feel like okay. I'm comfortable with it. I've played it in a different situations, so like I can probably bring it to wherever I'm going. It should be okay. And yeah, this isn't like even, I don't know if it's even my favorite murder ballad, but there are all so many good ones. Like, yeah. how do you choose? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess the, the why not would be like people like ha are starting to have feelings about like certain things in the, like the, in the repertoire. But I think that this tune 
is like really interesting and like the way that like the the lyrics are yeah. like the way the story is told <laughs> it's like, completely horrible <laughs> it was completely horrible yeah but like um i heard uh dara weiss from the all day breakfast string band yeah um uh sing this at um at this festival and i was like for some for some reason when she sang it it just kind of clicked with me and i was like oh this is like kind of a cautionary tale and this is supposed to be sad and like the song isn't sort of like apologizing on behalf of the narrator or anything like it's uh, or not an apologist for the narrator at all it's like a yeah i don't know i think it's an interesting one but yeah, either way trigger trigger yeah. warning do and murder bell <laughs> yeah that's on me too because i haven't thought really deeply about all because there are a lot of tunes going on and old time music is a dark pl- right. american history is a dark place well, yeah, old yeah, time yeah. music is from that yeah. history um but yeah i feel like this is reflecting but not celebrating mm-hmm. i don't know you could probably start this on all of this okay cool Thank you. 
And now he sits by his cabin door Wiping his teary eyes Gazing on his own dear son On the scaffold high My race is run beneath the sun The devil is waiting for me For I didn't murder that dear little girl Whose name was Rose Yeah. And I'm glad you thought about it, because really, I am so disconnected from the scene right now that I don't even know what's going on. I mean, I know people are starting to... Yeah, I don't know which ones are being lot. quarantined or whatever. Yeah, but I like... Know. We yeah. Should, yeah, we should have a chart. Yeah. And <laughs> That's actually... I, I was recently on a, on a Facebook... Um, on a Facebook uh, thread about, um, about like, like, not quarantine necessarily, but just, like, so we should make a list of like tunes that are potentially problematic and to the degree that they are and like if you're going to play them what you would maybe need to say and or you know perform them before you do it or things like and that and yeah but I don't know who's gonna do that and in fact some I need to get better at my research too because actually Jake said something really meaningful the other day that really resonated with me is like you know only I wish I, I should read his exact words but it was basically with minstrel songs you know summary is like leave them in the archive where the dead yeah, things yeah. are where the dead things are and i really like that and certain like he was saying you know if you're unless you're an educator or if you right. are a black american musician you know yeah yeah and i kind of like that and i wish i'm gonna dig into somehow somehow yeah. <laughs> i need to dig in to figure out which ones are which because for right. me my knowledge of the history of old-time music and where certain songs came from is really lacking and I need I need to get serious about my not just fake lore but actual folklore and actually know totally. <laughs> the history of the music and where the tunes came from. But it, yeah, you know, I'm glad it's, you it's interesting on uh, on that thread, Craig Edwards, who is so, someone who I like probably respect the most and like for like doing his research and like taking ownership of the music and like making decisions about that kind of thing. And he said that Julian Johnson is like the original lyrics to the to the tune are like the worst lyrics ever in like old time canon or something like that but that they they're so obscure and like no one knows him no one knows them that like he feels okay about like playing it because he knows that like practically speaking he's there's like no way that he could actually trigger someone like with with these words so it's like there are some that are like okay maybe there's like a place for this tune to exist because it's existed so long without these like associations you know I don't know but we did that for a bonus track, but so like I feel good about it, like because Craig feels good about it, and he did so much work about it. Maybe someone will hear us <laughs> play it, and then they'll be like, "Hey, don't do that one anymore," and then I'll be like, "All right, sorry, I won't do it anymore." And I'm so curious yeah. about it too, because also any music, like Scottish music, Irish music, yeah. have this anywhere where like 
people will also even in the ch like European church music, they'll take tunes that were totally fine and then put. Lyrics. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to tell. Like, okay, who invented? You know, it's one thing if yeah. we know the composer, yeah. we know where it came from. But if someone, then you have the other problem right. of like tunes that are already there and just somehow becoming a problem right. because of someone took them and did something bad. It's like where its origins were. Were its origins bad, or did someone do something bad with it? Like Turkey in the Straw, like has like fine origins, but like it was used in like a minstrel context with really really terrible lyrics, and you know it's like what is the stronger connotation? I don't know, but we're doing our best. A lot to learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's really a, an exciting time. Yeah. Lee, thanks so much for being on the show. It was my pleasure. I'm so glad. Thank yeah. you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's and a real treat. Thanks, Jake, for connecting us because yeah. I don't think we didn't thanks, know Jake. each other before. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, Rocking Am Cindy. Go for it. Yes, I got it for To support Get Up in the Cool and get exclusive bonus content, go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the Patreon button. Then choose a support level that works for you and your budget. You can sign up for an on-air shout-out, the weekly bonus track, 
online banjo workshops, and access to the Get Up In The Cool tune archive, featuring every tune and song ever played on the show, tagged, organized, and separated from the dialogue for your digital music library. Shout out to Get Up In The Cool's newest Patreon supporter, Albin Ekman. Enjoy the tune archive. I have the whole thing on my phone, which has been great for my banjo brain that can't remember how to start tunes. And uh, thanks for supporting both of my podcasts. You're one of the very few people, I think, that are capable of appreciating both. I look forward to meeting you someday, whether that be in Sweden or whenever you make the pilgrimage to Clifftop. Some listeners have expressed interest in supporting the show a year at a time instead of month to month, so I now offer the Patreon rewards in bulk at a discount. You can buy those at CameronDeWitt.com store, or just go to my website and click the store button. Thanks again to Banjo Judy for re-upping her yearly subscription. As I've said in previous episodes, I plan to use the yearly subscription money to buy new microphones for the show, and because of her generosity, I'm about halfway there. And while you're at my online store, buy a telegram. Choose the personal option to wish someone a happy anniversary or birthday, or tell an old-time buddy an inside joke or something. I'll read your message out loud in the intro to the show. Or choose the promotional option, and I'll read some ad copy for your music festival, your website, band, business, whatever it is that you do, which I'm sure is great, uh, get up in the cool listeners should know about it. Hit me up for Skype banjo lessons using the contact form on my website and buy Get Up In The Cool Volume 1, the Best Of 2016 album from the buy slash stream button. If you click the podcast button, you'll find a link to my other show, Think Outside The Box Set. If you're having trouble finding anything I mentioned in this outro, it's all linked in the show notes on your device, my website, and the Facebook page and group, which you should like, follow, and join. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool.